and he's holy. And he's holy around the world. It boggles my mind. Thank you, worship team. Let's appreciate the worship team this morning as they uh, dismiss, uh, come back a little bit later. It boggles my mind that we've heard the gospel, we've heard the name of Jesus so many times. In just my short time of serving the Lord, 39 years, I've heard the name of Jesus I don't know how many times. I've said the name of Jesus I don't know how many times. I've been comforted by the name of Jesus. I've been healed by the name of Jesus. I've been delivered by the hand of Jesus and the name of Jesus. I've been protected by the hand in the name of Jesus. I love the Lord Jesus. I know the Lord Jesus. Anybody hearing me? And yet there's a whole world, flags that represent the whole world, 3.5 billion people. Half of the 7 billion have never received Christ. Many of that bunch have never even heard that he exists. The faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And how will they hear, Pastor Harry said? We don't send them. So, Old Grove, we're thrilled that, that you are a missions church. We're glad that's who you are. It's in your DNA. It's who you are. So you're not surprised by this. How many got a letter in the mail talking about this? Anybody got a letter? Well, you'll get it next week. Or you're not voting or you threw it away and don't open your mail from the church. A lot of that happens. But we sent you a note to remind you of this day, of all the days, of all the 52 Sundays a year. This is the one. This is the one. That, that we come together and we partner with the missionaries along the wall. Many are not on the wall. In fact, just this last week, I was walking, Pastor Gary, I walk and pray over there over the missionaries. We only have three slots, three slots left on those. And I remember when Miss Melissa bought that wall, I thought, how many missionaries do you think we're going to put up there? We had six. She bought enough for 115. And folks, we only have three spots left to fill up that whole wall of missionaries. Could you give God praise? I mean, it's just, it's just amazing of what you've done with, with, the, with the help of missions. And so today is our day. We don't make apologies. We are serious about this. In a little while, we'll do faith promise. But Gary and Shannon Beasy, our friends from Fort Worth, Texas, they drove all the way down here to minister to our staff and our deacons and, the, and our leadership team last night. And today to be with us, and then they head out right after lunch to, to head out. But I want you to help me welcome them with an Ozark welcome, like a real Oak Grove Ozarkian welcome, one like you've never welcomed anybody, Pastor Gary and Shannon Vesey. Come on, welcome them today. My friend, my friend, they pastor in Springtown, Texas, Azel, Texas, Legacy Church. Pastor, we're honored to have you today. Take your time. And, uh, and these people are ready to hear the word and also give everything they have. Empty their pockets, Pastor. Empty their pockets. Amen. God bless you. One more time, Gary Vesey. Well, it is an honor to <clears throat> be here today. And uh, Pastor Ron and Pastor Melissa, thank you so much for the invitation. And I want you to know I am humbled to stand behind this pulpit. As a pastor, I've been uh, at our church for 25 years in Springtown, Texas. Uh, I've known Ron and Melissa ever since our Bible college days back in CBC. I won't tell you how long ago that was. Uh, but back then, I was uh, skinny enough that these jeans weren't skinny jeans, all right? They were actually just jeans. 
and uh, I, I put on some weight, uh, fractured my I, my foot in four places, haven't been able to go and do the things I normally do. And so this morning I got up to put on my uh, shirt and my jeans. And I told my wife, I said, baby, they're fitting tighter than usual. And uh, she said, that's because you're bigger than usual. And I said, thank you for the compliment, honey. I appreciate you so much. Now, um, Ron and Melissa, we just love you. And we love your whole family. Uh, we've got to know their their daughters and their husbands and now their grandbabies, and we celebrate that. Um, Ron and I really had some good times together, and we still do. Uh, but back when uh, we were at CBC, I told the board and the staff last night, I came from a small, small city, Plainview, Texas, uh, in West Texas, a small, small church. And I came to Springfield, Missouri, and went to Peace Chapel Assembly of God at that time. My Uncle John was a associate pastor there, and uh, Ron and Melissa were going there, fixing to be on staff there as well. And uh, I came to Springfield uh, really uh, holy and, you know, godly, and I came really, uh, you know, just from that sanctified background, and then I met Ron, this this Cajun uh, from Louisiana, and uh, he led me astray, so I just want you to know what you get today is a result of him, all right? No, I'm just kidding. He is one of the greatest men of God I know, heart for people, heart for God, heart for missions, and his wife, Melissa, the same way. So I want you all to know that I don't take this moment lightly. When people come to our church to speak, this pulpit is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And so today, I pray and ask for the Lord's help and direction to minister to you. But I got to tell you, you guys look good this morning. I just want you to know it is awesome to be here. I don't get to speak out a lot because we are pastors. My wife, Shannon, I want her to stand. This is my lovely wife, Shannon, and she's beautiful. Uh, just gets younger every year. She is our worship pastor and uh, helps oversee a lot of the church. And today was special for her because she was able to just enjoy worshiping instead of having to lead worship. And so thank you to Chrissy and the worship team for doing such a wonderful job. Well, today um, is Mission Sunday, and I do love missions, and so we are going to be taking faith promises uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, but in prayer, I, I feel like that today was twofold, that I wanted to minister to you. I felt like the Lord wanted to minister to you, and he wants us to minister to the world. Sometimes in order for us to really get a burden for the world and to touch the world, God needs to touch us. And when he touches us, something awakens in us, and we then want to go and touch the world. So today, my prayer is that you are touched by God, and that out of that, we will touch the world. All right, we will make a difference in the world. So this morning, I just want to talk to you, and I'm just going to share a message entitled, just like Jesus. Turn your neighbor and say, just like Jesus. All right, that, that's the goal of all of our lives is to be just like Jesus. Now, how many of you feel like you are 
just like Jesus. You're, you're really close to just like Jesus. How many of you feel that you are, you've arrived? No, we all have a, a ways to go. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a long ways to go. No, don't do that. But if we're going to be just like Jesus, one of the things that stands out in Scripture about Jesus is that he had this compassionate heart. He had a heart of compassion. So if we want to be just like Jesus, we can talk about we need a prayer life. We can talk about all the other things. But I want to focus on if we're going to be just like Jesus, we need to have his heart. We need a heart of compassion. And I want you to take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And we're going to read 40 through 42. And this is the New King James Version. Now, this may seem like a passage that is uh, out of the ordinary for a missions uh, convention moment. But if you'll stick with me, uh, I believe the Lord is going to be able to help us uh, come to a great conclusion. It says, now a leper came to him imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Everybody say, I am willing. Be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Father, I pray that in the next few moments you would anoint me to preach your word. Lord, I ask for your anointing, your power, and I pray that you would open the ears of every person here to hear what the Spirit is saying in this moment. And I pray, Father, that as a result of that, we would all be changed and then we would be part of you changing the world. So have your way and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we begin, or as we begin, how many of you here are compassionate by nature? You just are compassionate by nature. You just have a compassionate heart. It just flows. If that's you, raise your hand real high. All right, I, I need to see who my compassionate people are. Everybody look around. These are your compassionate folks. Now, you can put your hands in. How many of you? Compassion is not your primary gift, okay? It's just not. Raise your hand. You say, compassion is not my primary gift. Don't be ashamed. Raise it high. It's okay. All right? It's okay. When it comes to the church, there's all kinds of gifts in the church and gifts in the body. And one of the things I've noticed is that we tend to, when it's our gift, we, we, we really like that. But then if it's not our gift, we tend to feel ashamed because we don't have that gift. Listen, not everybody has all the gifts. It takes the body in order to operate in the gifts that God has. However, regardless of where you are on the compassionate radar, we're still called to be like Jesus. And to be like Jesus, we have to have a compassionate heart. So whether you are Mr. Compassion and Mrs. Compassion, or you are like, I have zero compassion, today you're going to have to up your compassion game, okay? That's what God wants us to do, to be just like Jesus. What does it mean to be compassionate? It means sympathetic concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. So compassionate means I'm simply 
sympathetic, and I have a great concern for the suffering or the misfortunes of others. And when you look at the compassionate heart of Jesus, you see it all throughout the Word. The Word of God is filled with the, the examples of the compassionate heart of Jesus. For instance, in Matthew 9, 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Mark 14, Matthew 14 says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. So when you study the Gospels, there's one thing you always encounter that no matter how tired Jesus was, no matter how long he had been ministering, no matter how much he had exerted in energy, when he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. And I think that ought to be the heart of every person in this room, that when we've expended our energy, and we do, when we feel like we can't go on, and, and we all have those moments, that we need to have a heart like Jesus, that the compassion of God just kind of rises up in our heart. And even when we feel like we don't have anything to give, God enables us to do what we cannot do on our own. And Jesus ministered when he was empty, but he was filled by the Spirit continually, continu over and over and over and over and over again. In our text, we see the compassion heart of Jesus yet, one again, yet once again. And we discover what can happen when the chronic condition of a leper and the compassionate heart of Jesus collide. When Jesus' compassion comes in contact with human lives, something always happens. When the compassionate heart of Jesus comes in contact with humanity, something always happens. His heart changes things. So this morning, I want to look at just a few things, and then we're going to bring it home uh, and, and talk about missions and how all this ties together. But I want us, first of all, to look at the chronic condition of the leper. I want you to see this chronic condition, okay? And so in Mark 140, it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now listen, even though Matthew, Mark, and Luke write of his story, they do not go into great detail. There's three gospel writers that write of his story, but they do not go into great detail. We're not given his name. We're not given his history. Did he have a wife? I don't know. What about children? What did he do for a living before his leprous condition? How long had he been suffering with leprosy? I don't have the answers to that because Scripture does not tell us. We're not given a glimpse into his pre-leprous life. I find that interesting. We don't, we don't find any glimpse or details about his pre-leprous life. But I believe there's a reason for that. Why? Because all of that is a distant memory. All of his previous labels are gone. Husband, father, dad, worker, all of those are gone. All of his previous identity is gone. Now he is simply only a leper. Everything else is gone. He's just known in the Bible as a leper. 
Now, I'm sure you know a lot about leprosy or you've heard it preach, but in the New Testament times, leprosy was considered like the worst of the worst. It was like the disease nobody wanted to have because leprosy rendered the body a mass of ulcers and decay. It was horrible. Fingers would curl and gnarl. Blotches of skin would discolor and begin to have an odor. Certain types of leprosy would numb nerve endings, leading to a loss of fingers, toes, even a whole foot or a hand. It was loathsome. It was spreading. It was incurable. Leprosy was death by inches. Those with leprosy were so despised and loathed that they were not allowed to live in any community with their own people. Not just with their family, but they couldn't even live with other Israelites in the camp. They had to live outside the camp in their own leper colony. They weren't even allowed to be part of society. A leper wasn't allowed to come within six feet of another human being. Imagine that. For all of these years that he's had leprosy, he's not been able to come within six feet. That's called social distancing, all right? I think, I think that's where they got that from the Bible, six feet apart. That's where they got that. Because it was such a loathsome disease. And if a leper came within six feet of another human being, the leper would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. I mean, how would you like that? I mean, he was already ostracized. He was already labeled. He was already beat down. He was already labeled as a leper. And then it wasn't his fault that he was a leper. It just happened. But if he came around people, he would have to yell, unclean, unclean. Thus, it would deepen the wound of that label in his heart that I am only a leper. I am not worthy. I have no future. How could anyone love me? And I would imagine this leper even loathed himself. I would imagine there were moments he wanted to die. I would imagine there were moments he prayed to God, God, just let me die because I don't want to live in this leper colony. As he saw his friends pass away from the disease and as he as he saw the, the symptoms set on and he knew that that was his future, I can imagine what was happening in his life. Considered contagious, the leper was quarantined, isolated, banished to a leper colony, cut off from family and friends. So the leper is a picture of the ultimate outcast. Infected by a condition they did not see. Rejected by those they once knew. Avoided by people they didn't even know. Condemned to a future they could not change. And every day was a grim reminder that life would never be the same. I don't know about you, but we've had those moments in all of our lives where things have happened to us and we're like, life will never be the same. Now, for the leper in our story, this was his reality. This was his life. Now, we can read the stories in the Bible, and sometimes we just kind of gloss over them, and he was a leper, but we really don't grab the magnitude of, of what's being said and the depth of what's being said. But this was his reality. 
reality. Imagine the physical, social, and emotional impact this condition had on his life. Imagine how it impacted him physically, socially, economically, in every way. And here's what I want to say. His condition had become his coffin. He was alive but buried in shame. He was alive but buried in rejection. He was alive but buried in loneliness. He was alive but buried in hopelessness. He was alive but buried in pain. He was alive but buried in brokenness. I mean, he was alive, but he was buried under all of these labels and all of these emotions and all of these feelings that were going on in his life. Alive but buried. His condition had become his coffin. Until one day, when he heard about a man named Jesus that was coming by. And when he heard that Jesus was coming by, there was something that rose up in this leprous man that said, I am tired of my condition being my coffin. I'm tired of being labeled. I'm tired of living under all of this shame. And this man began to rise up. He began to shake the dirt of all of that stuff. And the Bible says he ran toward Jesus. He ran toward Jesus. Amen. So his coffin had become his condition. But the minute he began to run toward Jesus, that's when his condition was no longer his coffin. His condition became the conduit of God's power in his life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching this morning. His condition had become his coffin, but he was tired of being buried under all of those labels and he shook off the dirt of all the stuff that had been said and he took a risk and he ran toward Jesus. And when he got to Jesus, this is his confidence level. His confidence was so broken that he didn't come and say, Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, just heal me. That's not what he said. He said, Lord, if you're willing... I mean, how many of us have ever been there? Lord, if you're just willing. I mean, you're, you're so beat down. You've, you've been through so much. Lord, if you're just willing, you can make me clean. I don't know if you're willing or not, Lord, but if you're willing. We'll get to Jesus' answer in a moment. But you don't have to have leprosy to feel like a leper. The condition of a leper takes on many forms. You can recognize its symptoms Because they are, your identity has been stripped. That's a symptom. Your life now comes with a label. That's a symptom. And either by others or yourself, that label is sticking to you. And then your condition has become your coffin. In other words, you have succumbed to your condition to the point where you now believe there's no way out. I will always be like this and there's nothing that anyone can do to change my situation. You're alive, but your condition has already become your coffin. The divorced have felt extinct. They've been buried in rejection. The handicapped have felt its impact and been buried in brokenness. Unwed mothers have felt its sting and buried in shame as others look on them and 
whisper as the mother comes by with her baby, but there is no husband. And the depressed have definitely felt its sting because they've been buried in hopelessness. The addicted have been buried in isolation because nobody loves them and nobody wants to take a chance on them. The terminally ill have definitely felt the sting of this because they've been buried in pain. The parents whose children are walking in rebellion and aren't serving God, they feel it's, they feel it's impact and they're buried in condemnation. If I'd have just been a better parent, if I would have, if I would have, if I would have, if I would have, they wouldn't be like this. The single who's never been married, wants to be married, but never has, and they are feeling it because they've been buried in loneliness. And the list could go on and on and on and on. Because it's not just about us in this room, but all across the world. They're little kids right now. They have no breakfast. They have no supper. They have no dinner. And while we're enjoying the beauty of this sanctuary, and I'm grateful for Oak Grove and all that you've done and all that you've accomplished, but today, it's not only about us, it's about the world. And if we have the heart of Jesus, we learn to live beyond ourselves, and we learn to live for the world. Because once Jesus touches you and heals you, then there's something in you that says, I want the world to experience what I have. And yes, I'm not called to be a missionary. If God called me to be a missionary, we would talk. And I know you'd say, I'd surrender. Well, I'd have to have a long conversation with God. And then I would have to say this, God, you've got to talk to my wife. And you've got to confirm it in her heart. And I don't say that derogatory. I mean that. I need her to be in agreement with me. And then I need you to open doors. And I need an angel to come out of heaven and speak. Thus saith the Lord, Gary Beasy. Go thou to the mission field, and thou shalt go to Africa. I need that. I haven't been called to go to Africa. I've been called to go to Ethiopia. I haven't been called to go to Iraq, Afghanistan, China, some of these places. I've been called. There are people that have. And right now, they're laying their life down for God's sake. But leprosy has many labels and it has many forms. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. Just like the leper, there comes a moment in all of our lives when we've got to realize Jesus is here. I can tell you that Jesus is in this house. When I came in this morning and we began to worship, I felt the presence of the Lord enter into this room. And while I know that God is with me each and every day, and I know God is with me in my own prayer time, there's nothing like being together in the body of Christ and the presence of the Lord and the anointing of the Lord comes down on the house and there's a spirit of worship that rises up. And when that begins to take place, the faith of God just rises. And in the presence of God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. How many of you believe our God is still a miracle working God? Our God can still do the impossible. He can still do it. I'm sorry if I get a little bit excited, guys. I'm from Texas, and we don't know how to not be quiet in Texas. We just speak loud and we speak fast. You'll get the interpretation tomorrow. But there comes a moment when, just like the leper, you have to say, I've had enough 
with my condition being my calling. You've got to shake off the dirt and start running to Jesus. And that's when your condition will become your conflict. There's people in this room. On the outside, everything looks fine. But it's on the inside. That you're carrying things and you're walking through things. and You've experienced the loss of a loved one and the sorrow. And I could go on and on and on. And sometimes we don't even realize it, but that condition that we experience on the inside, it's become our coffin and we're buried and we're stuck in those feelings and in that place. There comes that point where you got to shake off the dirt because Jesus is here. And you got to take that risk and say, wait a minute, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Everybody else can stay put. Everybody else can go home the way they came. But I come and and God is here and I want God to touch my life. I'm not going to be satisfied with leaving the way I came. I believe there's people here today that God wants to set you free and touch you and minister to the broken places of your life. God knows what you're going through. He cares what's happening in your life. So we have the chronic condition of the leper. And then we have the compassionate heart of Jesus. Mark 141 says, then Jesus moved with compassion. Now, while we aren't given a glimpse into his pre-leprous life, we are given a glimpse into his present leprous life. I love that about God. He's, I'm, not, I'm not looking into your past. I'm concerned with right now. I'm concerned with the present in your life. So he gives us a picture into his present leprous life. Why? Because it's at this moment where his life and Jesus' life collide. It's here we discover Jesus' response to the now in this man's life. The now. God is concerned about your now. All right, God, understand your past and what you've been through. But God is here now. God is concerned about you now. God wants to touch you now. God wants to touch the world through you now. Not It's not about what was before. It's about what is now. Hallelujah. Now. Can you imagine? I've, I've pictured this, and this is what kind of came to my mind. Um, can you imagine the crowd's response to the now in this man's life? Here's a leper. He's running toward Jesus. Okay, now listen. Lepers, you don't get to go to Jesus. Lepers, you don't get to go into the community. You're stuck outside the community. That's where you are. And yet this leper begins to run toward Jesus. Can you imagine what the crowd's doing? They got an eye on the leper. They got an eye on the leper. You got families all around with their little kids. And you can see James and Jill and went up the hill. No, I'm just kidding. You got this family, and they're all right there, and the dad spots, and he says, who's that coming in a distance? Who's who's that? Oh, that's the leper. That's a leper. That's a leper. And I believe he got kind of worked up. There's a leper. That's a leper. And a panic started. You got to realize this really happened. This is not, this is the way it was. When the leper started running toward Jesus, the crowds around Jesus began to run from Jesus. What a picture. 
I can just see it happening. The leper's coming. Leper, leper, where's the leper? Leper, leper, leper. And, it's a, and all of everybody just headed. They're running from Jesus. And then I can imagine them turning around and saying, Jesus, run. It's kind of like Forrest Gump. Run, Jesus, run. Run, Jesus, run. Come on. The leper's coming. We got to get out of here. Susie, little Bobby, get out of here. The leper's coming. We, Jesus doesn't budge. Doesn't move. Jesus doesn't run from leprosy. Jesus doesn't run from what's taking place in your life, in your heart. He doesn't run. When you run, He's right there. He's right there. When you run, while everybody else may be running the other direction, Jesus is staying put. And he's saying, no, there's somebody that I love that is on their way to me. I don't care what their condition is. All I know is they're tired of it being their coffin. And now it's going to become a conduit for their breakthrough in their life. Hallelujah. They're going to experience breakthrough today. Amen. But listen to Jesus' response. The word declares Jesus moved with compassion to the now in this man's life. Jesus responds with compassion. He was moved with compassion. It's the same for you and I. To the now, our present leprous condition in our life, Jesus responds with compassion. Why is this so important? Because biblical compassion, the Jesus kind of compassion, is more than just a feeling. It is expressed through action. See, compassion isn't just I feel sympathy or I feel for them. Compassion means I feel, therefore I act. Jesus was moved with compassion. So what does he do? The man comes. The crowds have ran. Now they probably come back, but a little distance away. And Jesus and the this leprous man, he's on his knees. If you're willing, Lord, you can make me clean. And Jesus is moved with compassion. And everybody's watching what Jesus is going to do because to touch a leper made you unclean. But they didn't know that the one that was getting ready to touch this leper, could not be made unclean because he was the holy son of God. Amen. Leprosy can't make him unclean. He just changes leprosy. Hallelujah. And so guess what he did? He stretched out his hand and he touched him. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. This man had not been touched by anyone years. Can you imagine? Five years, six years, eight years, ten years. Nobody. Nobody to put their arm around you and say it's going to be okay. Nobody to put their hand upon your shoulder and say I got your back. No. Never been touched. He was accustomed to people withdrawing their hands from him, wincing from him, making faces at him, making fun of him, labeling him, saying, there goes the leper, there goes the leper. I can just picture all the things that he he endured. But Jesus stretched. I love it because the leper didn't stretch his hand toward Jesus. Jesus stretched his hand toward the leper. 
Isn't that beautiful? The leper felt, I'm unworthy. I just want to be touched. If you're willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. But he didn't stretch anything out. It was Jesus who stretched his hand out. And he touched him. But the hands that touched him were no ordinary hands. These were the hands of heaven. These were the hands of God. The touch of these hands would change his life forever. The touch of God changes everything. The touch of God changes everything. The touch of God. This morning, Jesus is here, and I believe he's stretching out his hand toward you. And he says, I know. I know what you're feeling. I know what you've been through. I know what you've experienced. Understand. So, it was a risk for this man to come. But it was worth the risk. Because when he got there, Jesus saw the faith in that risk. Touched him. I want you to know something. Notice something interesting. This man was not physically healed when Jesus touched him. He was healed when Jesus spoke a word in, in, the, in the phrase after this one in the word. But this phrase, he touched him, was significant because with that touch, Jesus healed the inside of this man's life, which was more important than the outward part of his life. The touch of Jesus touches the inward part of your life. And then Jesus spoke a word and healed the outward part of his life. And here's what I know. I believe our God's a healing God. I believe he can do the supernatural. He can still do miracles. Yes, I believe he heals. But as a pastor, I have to face the reality that there's times I prayed for people, they're healed, and times I prayed that they're not. I've prayed and prayed and prayed and they're not healed. I don't understand all of that. So I, I, I can't tell you that what the, the miracle part, that's in God's hands. But here's what I do know. The touch of God is always, always available. All right, while physically it may not always happen the way we want it, I'm telling you inwardly God will always touch you and give you the grace, the strength, whatever you need to endure whatever you're going through, to overcome whatever you're going through. He will touch you. Will touch you. I know this from experience. Years ago, when my wife and I went to uh, Springtown, we pastor Legacy Church, and we've been there 25 years. But when we first went there, I didn't know the history of the church. I was 28 years old, so I was just excited to go, man. And I just figured everybody loved Jesus and. Uh, we went there, it began to explode, and things began to happen, and then things, because it grew, um, I, I didn't know that people could have power problems in church. I didn't know that. I just love Jesus. I just want to reach the world. But anyways, my family went through one of the most difficult times we've ever been through in our life. I'm telling you, I can't explain the pain, but here's what, I, what it brought me to. I was driving down 820, 
I was getting ready to get on Interstate 30. And I was driving a, a maroon minivan that the church owned. And on that drive, my family had been through a lot. My kids had been through a lot. And I was crying and I was weeping and I was saying, God, I can't take no more. My family doesn't deserve this. This is not what we signed up for. And, and in my heart, in my heart, I, I, I was hurt in my heart. I was broken inside. And I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And in my heart, I remember saying, God, I'm going to quit. God, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to quit you, I don't think. All right, at that moment, I wasn't sure. All right. I was just like, I, I, I'm not going to quit you, but I, I think I'm just going to get a regular job and be regular Joe because I, I don't want to be hurt like that. And I don't want my kids to feel like that. I don't want my wife to have to weep. I don't want to have to be afraid of every little moment. I, I, I just can't. And I remember tears just streaming down my face and I was weeping before the Lord because I had a call on my life, but yet the pain on the inside was so great. I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I'll never forget the moment I remembered in my, it was just, it's clear as day. In my heart, I said, when I get back to the church, I'm putting in my resignation. And we're going to leave. And God, whatever you want, that's fine. And I, But I'm done. And I remember I said those words. No sooner had those words come out of my mouth than a truck. Now, I like to go fast, okay? It, yes, I admit it. And the Lord has to touch me. Y'all pray for me. But I do like to go fast. And I was doing about 65. And this, this 1970 pickup flew by me like I was just not even moving on the road. And on the back windshield were the letters in shoe polish standing out. You can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> I mean, I went from weeping in brokenness to weeping in rejoicing. Because God touched me at that moment because he let me know, son, I know what you've been through. I know what you're going through. And I am still God, sovereign, and I am here. I know where you're at. And at the moment I needed it, he touched me. He touched me. He touched me. All right, now we got to bring it home. Pastor Ron, I am going to bring it home. I saw you messing with your watch over there. I got it. I'm just kidding. He didn't. <laughs> now we're going to do the application. All right, we're going to do this. Now we know what God can do with conditions, our conditions. We know the compassion heart of the Father. So now it is the call of every Christ believer, every Christ follower. To now go and be the hands of Jesus to the world around us. So I want everybody just to take your hands. Just take your hands and take a look at them. Come on, everybody get your hands. Just take a look at them. Doesn't matter if you like them or not. Just take a look at them. Mine used to be nice and didn't have as many wrinkles. And now they are what they are. Look at those hands. Do you understand the power of your hands? Leave them unmanaged and they become weapons, clawing for power, strangling for survival, seducing for pleasure. But manage them and our hands become instruments of grace, not just tools in the hands of God, but God's very hands. 
surrender them, and these five-fingered appendages become the hands of heaven. That's what Jesus did. He surrendered his hands to his Father. He was fully God, but he was fully man. And as man, he surrendered his hands to his Father. So our call today is to surrender our hands to the Father. So that we can be the touch of Jesus to the world around us. So this morning, I believe God's going to touch you. But out of that, he's asking you to surrender these hands. So that everywhere you go, not because of who you are, but because of the God who lives in you. Your hands are the very hands of heaven to bring hope and healing and grace to the world. Don't we all know the power of those hands? Not only God's personal hands, but the hands of a friend like Ron. In my moments of discouragement back in Bible college and overwhelmed with being married, having kids, having a job, working, all that. And he would just look at me and he would have a way of saying stuff that would make me laugh. And he just put his hands on my shoulder. And those weren't his hands. Those were the hands of Jesus. Same with the hands of a mother to her daughters or her son. A husband to his wife. Our hands. We're called to become like him and to surrender our hands to him. You say, Pastor, what in the world has this got to do with our pledges? In just a moment, Pastor Ron is going to come and going to take faith pledges. But surrendering my hands to be the hands of God is not just about what I can do in the world around me, but surrender my hands so that God can touch those around the world with the same touch that he's brought into our hands. So this right here, this money, it's not money. I want you to look at it differently. It's not money. You know what it is? It represents the touch of God to somebody in the world. That you may not know their name. You may not know who they are. You may not meet them on this side of heaven. But when they get to heaven and you get to heaven, guess what? You get to partake in their reward. Why? Because this sent a missionary into the broken places of all the countries of the world. And out of that, the missionaries and the churches were able to touch the broken, the lepers all around. I don't know about you, but I want to surrender my hands. And sometimes surrendering my hands means I've got to surrender my finances in those hands because this I know the world calls it money, and the world is in love with money. And there's nothing wrong with money. I pray all of you make a bunch of it. You say, why? Because if you're kingdom-hearted, 
It's not money. It's seed. It's a money to seed. To be fruitful. So I'm asking you today. Will you surrender your hands to Jesus? And to the Father? Not only to be this community's hand, but all around the world, this represents the hand of the Son.